Good morning and welcome to the Home Buyers Hour. My name is Charlie Belfontaine and you are listening to a real estate show that's geared towards client advocacy and safe home ownership. This show is pre-recorded on Wednesday morning between 10 and 11 and it airs Saturday morning on WCPT AM 820 where the facts matter. Live broadcast will be on our Facebook channel. If you're watching on our Facebook channel now, thank you. You can find that by searching Facebook for the Home Buyers Hour. Like the page and you'll be notified each time we go live. If you're having any issues with your current home or you want to share good or bad experiences with the real estate transaction, please reach out and share. I would like to give a thank you to our producer, Devin Tingle. Devin, say hi, please. Hello, everyone. He's the one that makes the magic of radio work for us, so we're very thankful when that happens. On the phone with us is one of our home inspectors. His passion is to help people, and it could be experienced by reading some of the many positive reviews that clients have, been, have written about him. He is consistently challenging himself to gain additional knowledge in this ever-changing business. He is a true professional who loves what he does. His name is Dave Engel. Dave, please say hello and share something unique about yourself. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Charlie, thank you for those kind words. Yes, I absolutely do love what I do. Uh, share something about me. I'm passionate about doing this job, but I'm also passionate about the time that I have away. We uh, have a family cottage up in northern Wisconsin that I love to get away when I'm not uh, doing home inspections and sit on the lake. And uh, if I catch a fish, that's great. If I don't catch a fish, that's great, too. Fantastic. So also in the studio with me is a real estate broker with over 10 years of experience in the industry. He is a partner in Extraplexi Real Estate Management, a full-service real estate brokerage firm specializing in both residential and commercial transactions, including property management and development of over 150-plus apartment units and renovated, or he renovated to date. His unique background and wide range of experience enables him to be a fierce advocate for his clients and offers advice that draws on his personal lessons learned. He believes in building strong relationships with his clients. He believes in absolute transparency and leveraging his established industry relationships with inspectors, lenders, attorneys to assure a seamless transaction for his clients. He has majored in both accounting and economics at Loyola University. He graduated summa cum laude, which is humongous on such an interview, uh, such a university, and holds an active CPA license. His name is Robert Waz, and I'm thrilled to feature this client advocate on our show. Robert, please say hello and tell us something unique about yourself. Thanks, Charlie. Um, I'm very excited to be on the show. Um, obviously, I'm passionate about real estate. I've been doing it for over 10 years. Um, I grew up in a family that did construction and did real estate too. So it's just something that's kind of always been in my blood. Um, something a little unique or fun about myself. Um, my wife and I are big dancers. Um, and cool. we actually, yeah, we, we do a lot of salsa dancing on, on the weekends and uh, whenever we have some free time, which sometimes feels like it's less and less nowadays, especially during COVID. But anytime we get a chance to get out, we love to do it. Nice. So, if you're watching this broadcast, whoops, sorry. Robert, we had a breakfast this morning. We were chatting about a bunch of different stuff. And, and the biggest thing I wanted to do was bring people on the show that care about their clients and such. And if you don't mind, you know, in full disclosure, you refer us to... Uh, your clients whenever you have a real estate transaction that goes through and I'm gonna ask you why why do you do that um, well maybe I should start with how I met you guys I think because that really I guess sets the stage as to why I recommend you guys to my own clients um, this was maybe five six years ago um, I was buying a, uh, a four-unit flat, an apartment building, and I've had, I had some bad experiences in the past with inspectors that kind of just rushed through things, and I, I decided to really spend some time researching on my own. And I found you guys online. I talked with you, Charlie, on the phone back then, and I, you know, I had a really good conversation, and I felt good about you guys. Um, you know, I hired uh, you know, your team. Mm -hmm. um, you guys came in. You did a fantastic job. You were extremely thorough. And I felt that I was being taken care of. Nice. And 
that experience was such a good experience that I obviously have now kind of shared you guys with my own clients. I get a little defensive with um, many, many other home inspectors when, when everybody tries to put a certain group into a, a certain categories and you hear comments like, you know, all oh, real estate agents, they all want you to be soft on a house. They don't want you to disrupt a deal in any which way. They want you to limit what you're going. And I'm like, that's not true. You know, I, I'll concede that there are human beings that do that, but there's plenty of human beings such as yourself that want their clients to have that wide open information and they want them to be upfront with everything. Um, during breakfast, we were chatting that I have a lot of real estate agents that will ask us or our, my team to do the inspection <laughs> on their personal home, but and maybe their family's homes. But then I, you know, right now this time of year, everybody's posting how much money in houses that they sold, how many transactions, how many families. And I'm seeing these same families or same real estate agents up there, and it's like, okay, you sent two referrals our way, and they were both related to you, but you're not sending us to our, your clients. But you don't do that. You send us to your to your clients as well, all right? Why? You know, and that's one of my favorite questions. What motivates you to do that? I'm in a somewhat of a unique position because the the brokerage firm that i'm a part of i'm a partner in it's it's our small business and i'm invested in building long-term relationships with my clients and ultimately i want the kind of representation i would hope that someone would have and be that kind of advocate that for me and i try and emulate that for my own clients um i want someone who's thorough i want someone who who dots the i's crosses the t's and i think a big part of being in the real estate brokerage business, you want to make sure that you're spending the time up front with your clients, setting the stage and setting the expectations. I think sometimes maybe some people get overwhelmed when they have such a very thorough report delivered to them from an inspection standpoint. But what I have found is if you spend the time up front really setting the expectations with your client, hey, this is what you can expect. Let's focus on, on the big hitters. I, Dave always says this, and I, and I love that he says this because he does a great job setting those same expectations up front in the inspection. He says, I'm focusing on the five to $5,000 range right now. The things that are gonna really cost the big bucks. I wanna make sure you're absolutely taken care of that. But he also obviously spends time on, on the smaller things just so you're informed and you understand what you're getting yourself into when you're buying this home. And then we have that discussion after the fact. We review the report. What are the things we can live with? What are the things we need to really ask for credit for or, or address? One of the biggest criticisms that our company gets from real estate agents is that, you know, we, we make such a long list in that Sometimes they have to talk, this phrase was actually used, they have to talk their clients from jumping off a cliff. And that, how, I mean, you get the same list. And we, you know, our goal is to make a long list. We want to be accurate. We want to put things in the proper perspective. And another home inspector from the south suburbs is watching us right now. His name is Kevin Mathers. And he, he's a wonderful fella that, you know, he does a lot of training uh, for people as well. So he just gave us a good morning and I sent it back to him. But anyway, you know, how do you, what do you do to keep your clients from, quote, jumping off that cliff? Um, kind of building, I guess, on that setting the expectations. Mm -hmm. I've put, over the years, i put together what I call these quick sheets. They're one to three page handouts. Um, and I, on the onset of any um, relationship, right, you know, they're reaching out, they're interested in buying a home. I always take the time to sit down with them, spend usually at least two hours, kind of reviewing some of those quick sheets, uh, setting expectations. How does the process look like? Are you familiar with what's expected from a lending perspective? Are you familiar with the home buying process from beginning to end, right? Mm. We're gonna go see some homes, but that's just the beginning of this, right? Then we do an offer, then there's negotiation, then there's the actual contract. Now we have an inspection, attorney review, we have a title company, there's all these moving pieces. And the more time you can spend up front with the client setting those expectations, 
the better prepared they are, and they're not going to get sideswiped. Um, and you know, to the point of your your specific question about inspections, really, you know, revisiting that before the inspection too. Just sitting down with them again, being like, okay, now we're in the inspection step. What can you expect? What does this mean? What are we gonna, you know, cover? And what what happens after? And that usually just that helps. And that honestly, it solves almost all of the anxieties someone could have about, you know, a thirty you know, page report or whatever. More than there's help. If there's any real estate agent listening, steal that nugget. I mean, that's huge. If you can let somebody be prepared for what's going to happen during this whole process, then that keeps them on the logic thinking side and doesn't let the emotions take over. Once the emotions take over, then we have to go ahead and and get them back over to the logic side and it it just gets crazy. Now, we just did a home inspection for one of your clients recently, all right? And Dave, if you don't mind, just share some of the issues, you know, give me a couple of the major ones. All right, so yeah, we ended up doing an inspection uh, uh, in Southport in Chicago. Um, that one actually came out pretty clean. Uh, one of the uh, things that we do in our reporting um, that I think also helps manage uh, some of those fears is um, our reporting is uh, uh, color coded to the point of uh, you know red is is the serious and we've got the orange which is uh, moderate and then we've got uh, you know sort of a blue color which is more informational and so in this particular inspection we inspected 110 different items uh, and even after doing all that, we really only had one serious concern. Everything else was uh, either a, a moderate or a light. Um, but this one happened to be, uh, you know, a pretty major one. It was to the heating system, um, the oxygen. Uh, we use a, a combustion analysis as part of our furnace uh, examination process. Uh, versus just uh, opening up the door and looking at it and saying, oh, that's a pretty blue uh, <laughs> furnace is working and it's heating. Yeah. Um, we use technology, and the technology on this one came up with uh, that we had a 13.1 uh, reading on our oxygen. And uh, that's a pretty strong indicator that there might be a, a pinhole uh, into the heat exchanger. When the fan kicks on, it pushes the excess air that's normally blowing around the house back into the uh, combustion chamber and uh, doesn't get burned uh, because it's after that process and uh, the equipment picks that up. So we ended up calling out on this one to have it uh, further examined by truly a HVAC tech uh, to confirm or deny whether uh, our suspicions were correct. And what were some of the numbers on that? Do you remember? Um, I'd have to go in and look at the rest of it. The, I believe almost everything else looked good, but give me just a second and I can easily get there. Um, but that was the, the number that was definitely out of whack. What was it again? 13.1. Uh, 13.1. For the oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And, and I'm going to confess that, you know, the, these are rules that we made up. All right. And we made them up through experience and multiple units that come in there and what was normal and what we found were bad units when we tested them. And mostly it's whenever there's, you know, the fire happens before the heat exchanger. And we know that there's 21% oxygen in the air that we breathe. So the fire is going to use somewhere between 10 and 15% of that oxygen in order to make the fire. And what's going to be left for us is going to be somewhere between 6 and 11%. So once we get over that 11%, somehow, some way, oxygen is being added to the combustion gases afterwards. So usually what happens is there's going to be a hole or a crack in the heat exchanger. And since I have a negative pressure being caused by the inducer fan, and that's going to be on the inside of the heat exchanger. And when the circulation or the blower fan is running, that's going to be on the outside of the heat exchanger so air is going to flow into the heat exchanger and that's going to add that oxygen and that combustion analyzer that we use we can see that and it's more like dave said than just looking at a you know the flame and seeing when it's bad i mean when that flame turns orange or it's jumping around it's you know it's obviously bad but that's way bad that's been bad for a long time you know we, anytime there's a crack no matter how minor it is in that heat exchanger 
it's dangerous and the heat exchanger needs to be replaced. So using this piece of equipment, we like to do that because, well, it gives a more accurate picture of the furnace that we're getting. And if somebody can go in there with the same equipment or do a visual check to see if it's right or wrong, um, that's good. You know, we want to, we definitely want to be know or told when we're doing something wrong. But um, most of the time, in fact, just about every time, I can't tell you when somebody came in there and said, yep, it's good, you know, when we say that it's bad, all right? And yeah, go yeah, ahead, Dave, I'm sorry. A, yeah, it turned out to be a 21-year-old furnace. And in this part of the country, we typically know that furnaces last uh, around 20 years. So there's a high likelihood that it was just purely based on age. But and this is the winter slow season. Robert, I'm sorry. This is the winter slow season, so it's not like there's a lot of pressure on our buyers to buy this. So how did you handle this? What did, how did the negotiation process go? Yeah, absolutely. And then just to kind of add on, you know, listening to Dave and Charlie just kind of explain what the issue was and what could be the potential root of the cause. This is why I also love having you guys come out um, and do the inspections for my clients. You're, the way they're talking right now is how they talk on site at the home. They're taking mm -hmm. the time to explain it. And not all inspectors are doing that. No. They're not explaining to their, you know, to the client, hey, this is what the problem is, but this is probably what's causing it. This is what, you know, if we're going to have a second party come out and, you know, a, a licensed HVAC technician, this is what they need to look out for. This is what we see. And then the more information my client has, the better decision we can make kind of as, as a group. Um, Absolutely. So thank you. Regarding um, the actual, you know, this particular situation, how we handled it. Um, we went ahead and we had a, uh, we, we actually scheduled it. Um, they haven't come out yet, but we're gonna have a, a licensed HVAC technician come out. And make sure that they have a combustion analyzer with them. A lot of companies own them, but they're not in their trucks. Yeah. Or they're, they're just the looking office. at the flame, like you said. They're yeah. like, oh, the flame looks fine. It's like, sure, it looks fine, but right. are you testing it to make sure that the oxygen, in this case, are the oxygen levels reading normally? Or that there's no carbon monoxide coming through the circulation here. Exactly. Just because we're not getting carbon monoxide in the house doesn't make the furnace safe. Exactly. All right. So, so right now you're doing further research. You're verifying what we're doing. You haven't really been able to negotiate for anything yeah, on that and, one and yet. Based on that, I think that's when you can have a better negotiation discussion because you're more informed, too. And, and what yeah. I mean by that is that HVAC technician may say, this is solvable. I know, you know, I know where the crack is. I know where the pinhole is. This is an easy fix. Or they might say, look, guys, we got to get a new furnace. This is not good it's already at the end of its useful life yeah um you know let's bite the bullet this is really the right way to go about this and um you know it's an interesting time in today's market especially with right. you know the the demand is so high the supply of homes is so little so you really want to take the time to kind of take that step back talk with your client try and take as much of the emotion out of it let's let's talk about this logically I mean, I always say, but sleep on it. Always sleep on it. Whatever it is. If you're going to submit an offer, sleep on it. I never let my clients submit an offer the same day unless they absolutely insist on it. And why not? Because their emotions can get the best of them. There it is. Um, right? They're excited. They're like, yes, yeah. let's go. Let's, I'm so happy. And, and mm -hmm. I'm going to be the biggest advocate for you. If you mm -hmm. want to go, I will absolutely do it. But I, what I always, always advocate for at the same time is just, just do me a favor, sleep on it. If you're this yeah. excited in the morning, let's run with it. Um, but let's not make this an emotional decision. Let's make this also a, a logic-based decision. Without a doubt. And a lot of people don't realize that. The human brain, well, maybe some people can, but for most people, <laughs> the human brain cannot um, think emotionally and logically. And I always kind of reflect that back on me. And I'm doing everything, you know, in, in my life where I, I really don't want to lose my temper. I, I don't want to let my emotions dictate my actions i want to keep everything logic and and you know there's it's not the end of the world that's the bottom line you know i mean i i think we could share this what is the sale price of that home if you don't remember give no, me an estimate it, we're at i believe it's around 292 roughly right. give or take or that's where we ended up at so round up to 300 for you know whatever it's worth and a new furnace you know it's probably going to be in the three, four thousand dollar range, somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. So three hundred thousand dollar home, you know, and three, four thousand dollar repair, 
it's not necessarily the end of the world. Exactly. All right. And everything kind of has to do with powers and powers of negotiation. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But I still want to talk about more things that were going on with the house. So, Dave, was that the only thing that you found or anything else? That was the the biggest thing that was wrong with the house. Um, the uh, uh, there was again typically some minor, uh, uh, and this is one thing that I always also try to educate people on uh, when they're buying a home that's been lived in for a while is you know some minor wall damage and this that and the other thing and those are all simple easiers. Now we look at a house differently if it's been recently rehabbed and things like that. But uh, in this case, this one had. Uh, um, you know, not gone through that process and uh, had, um, you know, sort of that lived-in look a little bit. It, you know, there was an interesting home a little while back that Dave helped with the inspection on, too, um, in Bonnickburn in one of the suburbs. Um, <laughs> if you remember that one, that was a fun one, Dave. Um, super unique home, very unique, really cool. Um, but it was kind of one of those glass houses, um, and I really mean that. I've, the home had about 100 windows. Oh, my god! they were all custom-sized windows. They're humongous windows. Beautiful home. However... And Bannockburn's not a cheap neighborhood. No, no, it's Those not. Those are million-dollar-plus homes. Yes, they are. Um, and this home had 60 windows. or so, And they disclosed this to us up front. 60 homes that have been compromised. Oh, that either wow. moisture was getting through or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, Dave, Dave was thorough. We went on the roof. We identified tons of issues on the roof um obviously we knew about the windows but we also you know take took a second look at those and being able to have that list of like very material items the roof the windows i think one of the furnaces was having issues too if i remember correctly we were able to negotiate a very very significant credit in that scenario Um, but it was because we had such a thorough report and we had that information to back us up and we the were, numbers exactly and you know, the numbers you, you, we need to have the pictures we need to have the videos we need to have equipment that's gonna show what it is we're trying to say or basically yep. prove our opinions you remember that house dave i absolutely do that one uh back to our report uh how we how we color code things that one had 15 items that we considered serious uh, concerns with action needed and it was an absolutely uh, beautiful location. It was a, a beautifully done, unique home. Um, um, it had all these different wings coming off at different angles. I mean, it was like you were in nature. I mean, there were trees everywhere on this thing. And mm-hmm. from that standpoint, when you first pull up to it, you're looking at, oh, this is a beautiful home. This is where I want to be. And uh, but yes, uh, 60 of the and I'm going to say 100 plus windows uh, were were failed. And these windows were like three foot wide by 10 foot tall. And that was just the bottom half. Those of the are window huge because, windows. Yes. Yeah. And, the, and and they had then another window that was three foot fi- by five foot above it. I mean, this was in the in the living area when you were sitting there and looking out. I mean, it was truly like you were sitting outside. Yeah. The owners of this home, I believe the sellers uh, were also the original construction. Correct. Uh, people of it. And so they they uh, uh this was done during covid so they couldn't really uh, distance themselves so they were walking around the house they were trying to be in different areas but of course they're hearing what they're, and and they would come back and oh we did this because of this and this because of this but um so they had a passion of the house was still their baby and but when you really looked at it there was a uh, yeah back up on the roof they had several skylights that had either completely tarred over or you know com- uh, just all the seams were all tarred uh and dried and cracking um uh one of the chimneys actually had a football size hole in the top of the of the uh, wooden crown that looked like a raccoon had dug its way in to at some point in time um yeah there were uh, just uh, again a, a gorgeous gorgeous home but had not seen repair for a long time and you know you you made my made me think about something um we were having a discussion in a home inspector facebook group about when deals get canceled and emotions that are involved in that 
and one person was, you know, putting up on the Facebook that he got a deal killed and it was within five minutes. Now, I didn't read it as he was happy about it. All right. I just I, I more read it was something was serious that he saw right away, brought to the client right away. And the client felt that there was too much for them, you know, to handle and stuff. So, you know, and Dave, I'm going to put this back to you. What's your take on, you know, telling people, you know, or if the sellers are there and they hear this? Because, you know, I have the mindset that this is their home, their castle, and most people take a lot of pride in what they do and the repairs that they make. But sometimes they're done wrong. All right. And somebody's going to have to fix it if it's not going to be done right. And the question always comes down to how much is it going to cost and who's going to pay. So, Dave, if you don't mind, how, what's your approach when somebody's listening to this about explaining these issues to our clients or anyone else involved? Well, I, again, if I recall it, this one uh, was uh uh, the inspection was actually done in uh, November of 2020, and I believe that, uh, Robert, I, I, I just looked it up online, and it does look like it closed in uh, February of 21. I don't know if that was with your client or with, with someone else. That, that was with my client. We did end up closing okay. on it. Excellent. Uh, congrats on that. Um, so... They were an elderly couple, uh, Charlie. I think that they themselves realized uh, that, because um, they, as they said, they disclosed that 60 of the windows uh, had uh, broken seals and all that sort of stuff. So I, they didn't take a lot of offenses to what was found. And I think, quite frankly, uh, a couple of the things that were found they were surprised of. And um, uh, just because they hadn't had, uh, you know, somebody out there to... Uh, uh, do the work or the or the people that did the work they were of an age that they couldn't get back up on the roof and verify if it was done properly or not fair enough um yeah i'm gonna say that some of the things some of the ways that things were repaired on the roof that i i don't want to say that somebody maybe took advantage of them but uh you know they did a job to to sort of stop the leak but didn't really fix it the way that it should have been mm -hmm. done so i don't i don't put that back on the uh, sellers i put that no. back on you know that they ended up not getting a, a reliable source or or it came down to that the source said you know this is going to be a ten thousand dollar fix and they came back and said well what can you do for five thousand I, yeah. I you know mm -hmm. obviously we weren't part of that negotiation so uh, pretty hard to tell um i'm gonna yeah and i'm gonna have robert expand on that you know but the bottom line is this it goes back to what robert was saying before about emotions and logic if we say stuff that's insulting or an insulting way to the seller of the house and in today's world there's cameras in everywhere and there's a lot of people that will record what we're doing and and those cameras are so tiny we don't know so you know we always have to be very professional very polite and i always go back to mrs molesky i don't know why i remember her she's my third grade teacher and she said, don't blame anybody for doing anything. It's, you know, because if you point your finger and you blame someone, there's three of those bad boys coming back at you. So, but Robert, how did you, on, on that house, what were your thoughts about your clients? How did you keep them on the logic side? And how did you coach them through the negotiations? There's a couple unique circumstances with this home. Uh, um, like Dave already alluded to, the sellers had built the home themselves so there was a little of an emotional attachment right it was their baby so yeah. there was on the seller side i would say a element of irrationality um and it took some took a little work to to get them to where they needed to be to understand the seriousness of some of these issues this wasn't um a f just a five thousand dollar furnace and not to a uh, five thousand dollar furnace is still a lot still of money a lot of money but we yeah. were talking about a 25 to thirty thousand dollar roof we were talking more about more sometimes yeah, and we were talking about thirty thousand dollars worth of windows and that's just two of the major things that were identified and that's sixty seventy thousand dollars and there's some people that's their entire house yes you know in some neighborhoods absolutely I, i'm sorry to interrupt no no and that, and that's a great point because 
what we had to do with well, what, what I was kind of helping, you know, facilitate with really the sellers were the, the difficult part of this puzzle. I had spent time with the buyers setting the expectations. Hey guys, good. like they've already disclosed some things to us. They know the windows are not in good shape. They said they don't think the roof is in the best shape. And we found out it was in pretty, really rough shape. Right. Um, and we spent the time going back and forth with the sellers, but we had a little bit of leverage in a unique way. The home had been sitting on the market for two years. Okay. People were afraid of the windows Yeah. because they were telling people about the windows up front. Well, I spent time with my clients up front saying, hey, these are the windows. I'm, I talk with the agent. This is how much they got quoted to replace the windows. So they already knew. They, they went in with the expectations that this is not cheap to begin with. And with that understanding, with everything we were, you know, we found out during the inspection, it was a combined uh, between price reduction and credit. It was a fifty thousand uh, dollar wow. reduction. Now that's not you know, typical. It's unusual. That's I know. very significant. Yeah. Um, that's rare. I've only have have had it happen twice where the you know the amount gets adjusted by quite that much. Um, but the issues were of that serious of a nature where it was possible and them and the home had been sitting two years on the market and it's like you start explaining carrying costs holding costs right you still got to maintain this home you still got to pay the taxes on this home you know home that size, that's a lot of tax money exactly so it's yeah. like the longer this thing sits on the market you're still spending money to yeah. own this home and from the market the, was still hot then it was and it, this know? was like you know when the when that's that fleeing to the suburbs had started yes right covid was you know six to seven months in and people were like oh okay like we need more space we're working from home and people started to look more in the suburbs so this was like on the very you know cusp of when that started to really pick up mm -hmm. um so we kind of hit it right before you know thankfully we had seen the home uh, a little while beforehand you know they thought about it they placed the offer and um interestingly enough uh, i've i've become very good friends with these clients um nice and i i see them regularly and they said the agent representing the sellers called them roughly a month ago asking them do you want to sell the house because she has someone who's interested in buying it and um apparently you know for quite the premium yeah and they're like no we love the home too much and then it was funny because the husband was says like you should have asked them how much there's always a price there's always a price but it kind of talks about what's going on in the market right now right. where before people were hesitant all of a sudden now people are are rushing to buy but that's also where it comes back to kind of client advocacy taking the time to really explain things don't you don't want to make an emotional decision you do want to understand what's going Keep on in the market that, please exactly don't make an emotional decision <laughs> no. stay on the logic side exactly you know yeah, you can understand that the market is hot and you're yes. going to have to be aggressive. And those are good expectations to set with a client. You're going to probably have to go over a list price to get the deal done. But that doesn't mean you're going to waive the inspection or you should waive the inspection. No. You should still have your inspection. You should still make sure you're prepared, right? You, you still need to do all those other due diligence things to make sure that you have a safe transaction um, and you can close properly. And you're not going to have regrets, but you know, no. buyer's remorse after the fact. Going in there, eyes wide open, knowing what you're getting. And if you want to accept it, then accept it. That's fine. Yep. It's when you get those unpleasant surprises a month, two, three, or even a year into moving in the house. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why didn't they tell me this? You know, why was this being kept a secret from me? Which is, you know, we get asked all the time, why do you guys want to make such a long list? Dave, how many issues were in that house in Bannockburn total? Uh, so total, there was, uh, let me get back to that page. Um, good, medium, and poor, everything. Yeah, I'm going to say it was the, uh, uh, pretty close to about 54. I that's think that's, that's quite at. a bit, you know. And we've had where we were up to 75 and 100, you know, at times on issues that going in there. So, you know, the whole idea is to make a list and let the client know where exactly. we're going. Now, I really love talking about defects in houses and how they get handled, but I want you guys to know a little bit more about Robert Waz. And Robert, if you don't mind, I, I'd like you to just tell us about your company. Tell us everything that you do and what makes you guys unique and why you have a passion for this business. Sure. Um, so I am one of the partners of Extraplexy Real Estate and Management. 
there's really uh, three of us that are kind of the main the main partners. And where's that corporation located? Um, our, our main office is based out of uh, Franklin Park right now. We have a warehouse there because we don't just do, we're a full service brokerage company. So what does that mean? Um, we do residential and commercial transactions. So that's kind of where I come in. I do a lot of the brokerage side of the business mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of my sweet spot. We have one of the other partners, Marson, he does all of the property management. So we have a whole arm of the company that we buy, renovate, and hold apartment buildings. Oh, wow. Um, and when we say renovate, we're not talking like very basic cosmetic renovations. The majority of our projects are true gut rehabs. We take it down to the studs, wow. reframe back out, new plumbing, new electric, new HVAC, the whole, the whole shebang. Um, and then the third partner, Paul, he, he oversees all the construction. Um, and, you know, we all bring something a little bit different to the table. And that's, I think, what kind of makes us unique, but also having that wide range of experience uh, mm -hmm. where everyone has different experiences that we've all learned from. And trust me, we've we've uh, we have fallen flat on our face more than once before. <laughs> You're um, not alone. But you learn from those experiences right. and you hope you can share some of those experiences with, in my case, with my clients so that they're also better prepared and they can avoid some of those mistakes that I've made and we've made. Um, I smiled a little bit when you said it was in Franklin Park because that's where I was born and raised. Oh, look at that. 60131, <laughs> I can still remember the zip code. And yeah, we lived there when our area code was 312. I hope I'm not dating myself too far, <laughs> but I believe there's still 708. So yeah, I grew up at Scott and Schiller. Oh, nice. And, right. and stuff like that. I'm sorry, but go more. Tell me more because um, this show is going to be broadcasted on WCPT AM 820 at six o'clock in the morning on, on this coming Saturday. And you know, not everybody's gonna be able to see what's going on here on the Facebook Live. And you're gonna also be able to see the podcast afterwards and see this video afterwards. So give me more details, phone numbers, emails, websites, please. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the best way to get a hold of us um, is through email, really. Um, it's the quickest way uh, to reach us. It's the quickest way for us to respond. Um, there's two main emails uh, for the company, at least. Um, extraplexy at Gmail, which is E-X-T-E-R-P-L-E-X-Y at gmail.com. And then if you're trying to reach me directly, because that extraplexy Gmail will is kind of a catch-all, and then it, you know, it gets delegated out to whomever is the responsible but party. But all three of you monitor it. Yes, all three yeah. of us have access to it and monitor it. And you're pretty it. good about getting back to people yes. right away. yes. That, that is so important. Um, and, you know, because we have a property management arm as well, um, we, we are very on top of that email box because we also have tenants who reach out to their, you know, and maybe the, the furnace went out, whatever it might be, you know, in one of the apartments. So we're, we're very much on top of that inbox. Um, but if you're trying to get directly through me and you're, you want to kind of skip over the, the catch-all, it's waz, W-A-Z, realestategroup at gmail.com. That'll go directly to me. Nice. Um, but you know, moving away, kind of, you know, from just you know the how to contact us. What does our our business do a little more, and just kind of talking Please. on that, um, you know, uh, be, we don't because we are able to do all these you know different facets. It's all real estate related, but mm -hmm. I think being able to have these kind of different departments really allows me to spend more time with clients and focusing on building the relationship with them. So what do I mean by that? Um, not to talk ill of other agents, but some agents, this is the agent business might be their only source of income. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm in a unique position where we have these rental properties as well. There's a source of income through that. You know, we have a construction piece of the company as well. Um, I want to treat my clients how I would like to be treated if I was you know, on the client side. And I'm not, you know, there's those ABCs, always be closing. I'm not in that <laughs> mindset. Um, I want to make sure that my clients are aware, informed, and know as much as they can. And I'm able to do that because I'm not reliant 100% on, you know, just agent or commission income. Um, and it, I think it makes me a better agent. And it makes you a better person. I All appreciate right? that. And it's very nice. But that's the important thing. It's, it's being a good person and then learning your trade well and and helping and, and just a desire to help other people and that that's what you exude that's right? very kind of you can you share i know you have some 
you, you got like an open house that's coming up. And what is that all about, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, uh, at the end of the month, the last Saturday of the month, the 29th, um, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're, we're hosting what's called uh, a construction open house, we, we call them. Um, it's a great way to meet us, meet our team, learn more about what we do and our projects. And what we do, what we're going to be specifically doing is there's a property that we're about to start the uh, full renovation on. It's located at 1220 South Christiana Avenue in Chicago. And I'm going to post this up on our Facebook page. We're going to give the address, the date, and everything awesome. else. We'll put that in the comments section of this video that's being put there. I interrupted you again. I'm sorry. No. Go ahead with the address one more time, please. Great. Uh, 1220-1220 South Christiana Avenue in Chicago. Um, it's in the North Lawndale neighborhood of Chicago. Okay. Um, it's a seven-unit full-gut rehab um, there's an affordable component, so um, you know we're working with the city um, nice. to actually. Uh, some of the units will be earmarked so that um, you can you cannot exceed uh, fifty percent of the area median income to rent in these in some okay. of these units. So we get very involved in the communities we're a part of. Nice. Um, a lot of the renovation work we do is in uh, kind of lower income neighborhoods. Um, and that's who we are ultimately we're just we're, we're relationship people and but you're also improving the neighborhood improving the value you know and let's you know lawndale you mentioned and, and no i'm not trying to be malicious i know it was a depressed neighborhood i know we see it in the news a lot but it's changing i we used to see bronzeville and that's changing and you know, Hyde park is a teenager or young adult i was afraid to go there yeah. And my goodness, you walk into that place and the neighborhood is just beautiful, you know. I, I think what you're doing is yeah. fantastic. And, and, and honestly, it. it's a great way for people to come to the neighborhood. Yes. To your point, right? People are afraid. They hear Lawndale on the news and they're terrified. Right. Well, come see what, you know, we're doing with the neighborhood. Come mm -hmm. see, learn a little bit more about bus our business and what we're doing. And the more people can see the community and get acclimated or understand that really it's not as scary as it's made no. out to be yeah um maybe you know we've seen more people start like buying two flats in the neighborhood starting to renovate single family homes that's encouraging for us too because the more home ownership you can have in the community the more people are invested in the neighborhood the more involved they become it's just a win-win overall it's a what is it called neighborhood pride or or home ownership yeah, pride home ownership or something pride. like absolutely. that absolutely and it's contagious and yeah. plain and simple when one person starts doing it and then all of a sudden a neighborhood lifts up and when the neighborhood gets better and better what else happens yeah well it, it, prices appreciate right yeah. you know and you know that's great for our business yeah. too of course yeah. um there's but, nothing wrong with making money exactly there's yeah. nothing wrong with house values going up you know and it's good for the whole community it i is. think that sometimes people lose sight of that they're not lose sight of that but there are a lot of homeowners today in Lawndale, mm -hmm. and it we we all need to rise. You know, rising tide raises all boats. Amen. And we gotta work together to improve the neighborhoods. Um, and you gotta kind of walk the talk, right? Every, there's a lot of people out there that talk about, you know, I want to help. You know, in whether it's people who are you know low income, underprivileged, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, mm -hmm. We've invested. At this point, we're at, I believe, uh, right around 75 units in North Lawndale alone. That's uh, a lot. And we started back in 2013 when the neighborhood was really, really rough. Yeah. Um, and it still has a way to go. Don't don't get me wrong. But, no, but you're giving people good, safe, affordable, homes. affordable housing. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And every everybody should have that. We, if we do what we can, it's, it helps the world. Exactly. You know, one, one little house at a time. Um, Dave, give me another house, if you don't mind. I love throwing Dave right under the bus, yeah. you know. <laughs> Put you on the spot, Out Dave. of nowhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here enjoying the conversation, and then you make me have to work. It's me. Um, That's what I do. Absolutely. So uh, we also did one uh, uh, in Aurora. Uh, it was a condo unit uh, that we ended up doing there, which uh, obviously we've talked about uh, the bonnet burn and and that sort of stuff uh, robert you obviously fill whatever the niche of your client is um the aurora home uh, really only had again one serious uh, issue the the condo complex looked like it was maintaining the building really well and 
again, one of the conversations, and I think Robert complimented me on it once before as well, was, you know, when I'm when I am inspecting a condo unit, I, I even though they may sign up for the condo discount, which we do, I still look at the at the buildings in general to see are they maintaining it because not only is is our client and his client buying their unit but they're buying in this area and you want to make sure that that the HOA that they're going to be joining is uh, is maintaining all the structures to make sure that their asset doesn't drop in value and this one only had uh, an exterior outlet uh, that had you know classic GFCI that was older and was no longer responding it was wired properly but it just wouldn't trip so you know a quick $35 outlet and a $250 electrician charge and they probably got that fixed but um, that was again another beautiful uh, beautiful little area that we ended up going to yeah and it was that one was super clean uh, for the most part the inspection and this was kind of an interesting transaction because I was representing an investor so this was their first investment property. Cool. Um, which, you know, given kind of the experience I have with the business we have, it, I think it really helps me inform clients above and beyond what your typical broker might be able to do. Like, but don't you feel more useful when I it's do. a first time? I you do, I like do. You feel like you could help them yes. more? and inform them so much more. Yeah. Um, and this, this was um, not only, it was the first purchase they were making ever, um, they were renting still for their own you know, personal sake. It's something. Um, but their first purchase was an investment property. So yeah. very, you got a first time home buyer, but the angle is to, to rent this out. Yeah. Um, but again, take the time up front. We spend time running the math. I'm like, he's like, Robert, how do you look at these properties yourself? Okay, well, I sit down and I really, I just run the numbers. The math doesn't lie. Is that a proprietary thing that you have or are you, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot. If you're not comfortable, you're not comfortable, you know, sharing that. But what well, do you mean it, by the math? It's it's nothing revolutionary. It's literally taking the time to sit down and run your expenses, run your projected rents. Okay, how much are your cash outflows? What are your cash inflows? Are you going to have, are you going to break even? Are you going to actually have some cash left over to address any maintenance issues that may come up? And what are your goals? Different people have different goals. Sometimes people will buy two flat just because they need to park their money. Okay. Um, and, and they're okay just breaking even, paying their mortgage. They don't need to make any money on it. Yeah. And they're, they're buying it for the potential appreciation value of the property itself. Okay. Um, if you're looking to cash flow, though, we got to target certain neighborhoods and in certain areas, whether it's suburbs or, or in the city, mm -hmm. because certain parts of the city, you will never cash flow, period. Uh, Lincoln Park, for example. If you want to buy two flat in Lincoln Park, you can expect to have negative cash flow. You're not going to make any money on it. So um, you're going to try to make the money on the value of the house. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's in the appreciation at that point. And that's okay. But again, you need to, you know, a as a broker, from my angle, I, I always try and spend as much time up front with my client understanding what it is that they're looking for, yeah. making sure that I understand their expectations and that I help guide them through that process. If they are expecting to cash flow, and they want to find it in Lincoln Bark, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. My daughter rented a four bedroom unit with three of her friends there. Each one of them is paying like $1,000 a month. $4,000 yeah. for her an apartment every month. And it's like, you know, let's go and buy a house, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, well, and the crazy thing is though, I, I don't know, you know, let's just, I don't know if it's like, let's say it's a three flat though, mm -hmm. right? You're gonna get a $4,000 rent in Lincoln Park for a three, four bedroom unit. You will, if, especially yeah. if it's nicely renovated. But looking at it from the landlord perspective or the investor perspective, that doesn't mean you're gonna, you're gonna come out ahead. Just because you're getting $4,000 rent, what's your mortgage? What's your insurance? Um, what are your taxes? What are taxes. You, what's your insurance? What are these all these other costs you're incurring? Your utilities. The condition of the property. Exactly. What repairs that we have to start budgeting? Correct. A lot of people don't do reserve studies, even on their own prop property, and they don't put things in line to figure out, okay, my furnace is five years old. That's great for now, but I need to start... Um, I need to start preparing, you know, even if it's 15 years later, for the average lifespan of a furnace, we need to realize that eventually it's gonna go. Exactly, and it's even more important in an investor scenario. Well, it's always important, don't get me wrong, but when you're buying as an investor, the cosmetics are important, but you know, if your cash flow is already tight and you don't have the cushion to handle the, the furnace that's gonna you know, go, you know, you're, you're stretching yourself really thin and you gotta, 
like Dave loves to say, the, the five to 5,000 plus, you mm -hmm. gotta know what those things are and you gotta prepare for them. Um, and you gotta have that money set aside because if it goes wrong, your tenant's gonna need heat like ASAP. They're, yeah. not, they're not gonna wait around for you to fix the furnace. It needs to be fixed, you know, same day or next day at the latest. Now this morning at breakfast, I threw at you those three words about construction. Yes. So I'm gonna give you a test. Do you remember what they were? Cheap, good, fast, and right? You, you can have, only have two of the three. You only get two of the three, good, fast, and cheap. I am gonna repeat that over and over again. And that's one of the drawbacks about the home inspection process because when we come in there and we evaluate the house and we document what the issues are and we put them in there, now the negotiations start, guess which one you don't have. Exactly. You know, so now you're stuck with either not good or not cheap, right. one of the two. And that's why it's always a good idea to get that information ahead of time, find out what a good home inspector is going to find and correct it, you know, and that way you got time so that you can get things for a lower cost. You can get more bids on items. Um, how are we doing, Devin? Three minutes. Three more minutes, and then we're going to be ending the show. So I'm going to give a little plug for our company right here. Um, it is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Uh, we do have two offices, one in Northbrook and one in One Mag Mile. Our main website is the home inspectors and that's plural ors and it's a dot com and our phone number is 312-544-9180 and i want to read something to you that i pulled off the pulled off the internet a little while ago and i want to see if you remember this robert i did a lot of research online and decided to go with chicagoland home inspectors I requested a quote in the morning and received a call from Charlie quickly thereafter explaining everything to me. I had a good gut feeling about this company after such a quick and thorough response that I decided to move forward with them. Roger came out to the building and spent a full four hours, and you're going to get a bunch of real estate agents rolling their eyes on that one, spent a full four hours very thoroughly inspecting everything. He answered all my questions, pointed out potential issues. He was very professional. I received a full report later that day and could not have been happier with the level of service provided. These are generally good people that really take time to ensure their clients are happy, and I would recommend them. Do you remember that? You, you found my review from back in the day. <laughs> when we did yeah. your home inspection. <laughs> that's right. That's when I first, first reached out to you guys. And I think that ago. says a lot about you as a person. You know, if you're comfortable with us and you would choose us to do yours and that you offer that to your clients and, and such you offer that to your clients and you want them to have that same level of protection um well a i'm saying thank you from our company point of view but b more and more importantly i'm saying thank you for treating your clients as well as we want to treat your clients all right you know we believe that it's their money their home their choice all right and our job is to help them make a good, logical, smart home buying decision. Yeah. All right? It's one of the biggest financial investments they'll ever make. It should be treated with that respect. Without a doubt. So I'm going to start ending the show right now. Next week, we're going to have Quentin Green, another real estate agent that cares for his job. And I'm really excited. Cares for his client. <laughs> say again? Cares for his client. He does care for his clients. What did I say? Job. Cares for his job. I apologize. Thanks for correcting me. All right, but I want to thank you for listening in again, AMA 20. Please like our Facebook page if you can. And other than that, thank you, and you have a wonderful day.